I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm your host, Patty Teal, here as always with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. And today we have one of our partners from Montecito Bank and Trust here with us today. And we always love that. Vicki, would you do the honors and introduce her? Absolutely. So today we have with us Sean Dyer, Senior Fraud Specialist at Montecito Bank and Trust. And we always love hearing what's going on at the banks. They are sometimes our first responders. So uh, welcome, Sean, and tell us what's happening. Hi, thank you. Thank you again for having me on the show. And boy, those fraudsters are busy, busy. They are just going to town in all sorts of ways. First, what I want to talk about is what we typically call a tech support scam. Whether you have a pop-up on your computer or you receive a phone call, they could say they're Apple support or Microsoft support. Or in this case, it could be someone saying they are from Amazon trying to verify a purchase from you. And you may or may not have an Amazon account, but they're tricking you into verifying a obviously fraudulent charge that doesn't exist, never will post on your Amazon account. And they want to have you dispute it. And in doing so, they want your bank information so they can block or credit your account or so forth. And it's on the rise right now. We've seen Amazon, PayPal. Those are the two main ones. We also just had on Friday, back to the utility imposter, where people call and say, you know, we're the gas company. We haven't received your bill. We're going to shut you off unless you send us money. Prior, it was always through a gift card. Go buy a gift card, give us the numbers, and that'll take care of your late bill. Now they're using the P2P payment methods, which we know are Zelle or Venmo, because those are immediate and the customer doesn't have to go to a store to buy a gift card. They either provide their online banking credentials to the fraudster to go in and add the Zelle profile, or they, our customer already has Zelle or Venmo, and they just get the phone number from the fraudster or the utility company or Amazon or PayPal, and they send the money and it's gone. So those are just really picking up. And we've always said nothing good comes from a gift card unless you're giving it to a person that you know for a gift. Yes. No legitimate business will ever, ever expect or request payment by gift card. But apparently there's still people that don't understand that or didn't get the memo on that one. They didn't get that. Well, Sean, I know that independent contractors sometimes might use Zelle or PayPal or some of those. But if you're dealing with a business like a utility company, they wouldn't accept that kind of payment, would they? No, never. Their utility companies are quite equipped for that type of payment. You can do automatic payments out of your checking account, which... By the way, that's the saddest part of the story. For the utility payment, our customer had just paid it like last week. And we could see that in her account. We saw her automatic 
payment already to the utility company. And she could have seen it as well. So no legitimate utility company would ever, or the IRS, anybody, they would never Mm -hmm. request payment from a gift card or Zelle or Venmo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question because I got a message from a friend of mine very recently who had gotten a communication supposedly from PayPal telling her that she had purchased, I don't know, $600 worth of Bitcoin. And she said, I never purchased any Bitcoin. What's going on? And of course, if there was a problem, then there was a number to call. And I said, well, it sounds like a scam to me. I would imagine it was. I hope you didn't try calling that number. She says, no, no, I didn't. And I asked her to check with her bank to see if any money had come out of her account or if there was anything showing that there was a Bitcoin purchase. No. So it sounds to me like this was probably a scam. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've actually had one that had the fake transaction was to buy crypto. And of course, there isn't any now that the customer did have a PayPal account. But I think in that situation, they contacted PayPal themselves through their account that they go through, not through this phone call or email that they received. They went outside the proper way to contact PayPal. As the bank, those are separate entities and we can't really intervene much when it's PayPal or Amazon because the customer has their own account with them and we're not privy to that information or to intervene unless we're all on the phone together. In the situation that I just described where she got this message supposedly from PayPal and she sent me the screenshot of what she had gotten and it looked like it came from PayPal. It's so scary. I don't do PayPal. I don't do eBay. And I'm super careful with Venmo and Zelle that I know the person. I physically have seen the person. They are a friend or family member because Mm -hmm. you just don't know what's real and what isn't. So in that case, you must treat every email or notification as if it were suspect and find another method of verifying it. So what should somebody do if they get a message like that? And in this case, she was pretty sure it was a scam because she had never purchased Bitcoin. I mean, it just wasn't something she was going to do. Should she call her bank? Should she alert the bank? If she didn't act on it, Mm -hmm. the bank isn't going to be able to do anything. She should go into her PayPal account on her own, not on the phone or online with anybody on there that could be remoting in. Mm Verify her information is in there. Maybe change her password. Like I'm a big proponent of, well, if you get something that may be suspicious, if you go change your credentials, then they don't have the most current information to get into your account. Yeah. Okay. I understand it's kind of hard to get a human on the line from some of these places sometime like PayPal or Amazon. So I would say that would be the best thing. Logging into your profile and updating your credentials would be the number one thing to do after you verify all your history that's current. Um, okay, so it, it would show that if she had made that purchase, actually, it would show. It would be there. It would be there. Okay. Because yeah. again, I don't have PayPal, but PayPal may have, can be tied to a credit card, a debit card, a checking account, but they may also have like their own pending account where cash store money like Venmo does that. It kind of goes through an escrow before it goes out. Yeah. It will they sit there until you actually, yeah, they will let it kind of sit in your PayPal account until you then transfer it into whatever bank. Forever. Okay. Yeah. So I would just be checking all those things when you log in to make sure. And then, you know, because obviously if someone's calling from PayPal to tell you there's this charge, the charge would be there. And if it's not there, then it didn't happen. 
I suggested that she check her accounts to see if there, the charge was actually made, and she did not, thankfully, call the number or click on the link or whatever it was they wanted her to do. But I will now call her back and tell her, yes, it's a scam. This is going on right now. So thank goodness she didn't act on this. And you might want to go into PayPal and change your password. Yes. Yeah. And again, sense of urgency. You have a charge. Well, well you know, our brain changes. We don't think. We just act. That's so good for her. Well, thank you. Good. All right. Sure. So now on to the second one. So we had a customer. She got a pop-up that it was a tech support scam. So the pop-up was that they were trying to convince her that she didn't use the product. So they were going to give her a credit back to her account. And we've heard the story before. I'm going to need to credit your account for $350. So you need to give me your account information so I can credit your account. And then, oops, I didn't credit it for $350. I credited it for $35,000. Oops, now you have all this extra money and I'm going to get fired. And I have a family and out of country that I support, blah, blah, blah. Please help me. You need to send me back the difference. So that's how the story starts. And this poor woman... The first attempt is, okay, you're going to go into your bank and you're going to send a wire. And the wire, the story for why you're wiring this money to Mexico is that you have a dear, dear friend that you've known for a very long time and they're having heart surgery and you are helping with the payment of the bill, this medical bill. So this is the fraudsters telling her what to say to the bank. And how to say it so that the wire would not be unusual and go through. Well, of course, it was very unusual for her account history. It made no sense at all. And we wouldn't send it. The next day, she goes into another branch of ours. And this time, she's going to go into business with someone and and purchase cryptocurrency. And the amounts of these wires, like the first ones, you know, like 34,000, whatever the difference is between $350 and 35,000. The next one goes up to like 49,000 because it's a, you know, we have to make a completely different story. And then the next day, so it's the third day in a row, and we've declined that wire as well. We wanted her information, where's her invoice or who she's dealing with, whatever. And she didn't have any of that. So the third day, she goes into a third branch. And this one was to go into business with an appliance company. And that one was for about $99,000. The saddest thing is they have her number, literally and figuratively. They have her number. And whether she's doing any of this, they will sell her number to some other fraudster to continually harass her. We didn't go through with any of these wires, but she is now on the sucker list. I mean, I can't imagine the stress. She's elderly and the the stress of having these phone calls and they are just so persistent in doing this. That is just so sad. That is so sad. And she sounds like she's vulnerable. She sounds like she does get sucked in each and every time, even though the bank denies the service that she's asking for. The bank is educating her each time. This is a scam. This is a scam. This is a scam. Well, and I think also she comes from the generation like my mom, you answer your phone, you just answer your phone always. And you say hello, and you are polite. And you don't hang, you just don't hang up. And you hear people out. And she doesn't live alone. It's not like she's maybe typically see where someone's alone and lonely, and they're just want to talk to anybody. It's that she followed the first time around. And now they just she just can't handle it. 
it's just really hard. So my message is don't answer your phone if you don't know, and you don't have a name associated with that phone number, don't answer. If it's somebody you know, they will leave a message and then you can decide whether you want to return the call. But she's answered the phone. They have her number. They may by this point know where she lives because we're not, we're unsure of how much personal information she has by now handed over to them, but they will just continue and continue. You know, this is interesting because just today I was talking to another banker who was telling me that the fraudsters will give the victims a story to tell the bank. And the first story that they always hear is, I need to help a dear friend. I need to help a dear friend who needs surgery or some some such thing, but it's the friend excuse. So that's interesting that you are getting the same story from your victims who obviously are getting the story from the fraudsters. When our branches send out wires, some of them get flagged because they look a little unusual and then we follow up in the fraud department. And so we go back to the branch because we have a set of questions that we have them ask the customer when they are sending a wire out because we need to know, does that really make sense? Mm-hmm. So when they send their questionnaire and they say, oh, it's an old friend, they're having heart surgery, whatever, like this was what how the first one went. It's unfortunate, but we go back to the branch and we say, has your customer met this longtime friend in person? And if not, have they seen them on FaceTime or Skype? Or is there really a person behind? Because we know there isn't. We know it's all through texting or phone calls or emails. So we go educate the branches. They really seriously need to ask the questions to the customer because the customer is just following along. And sometimes the fraudster is on the phone with them and the phone is in their purse or in their pocket while they're in the branch. Yes. Like they've instructed them to go in. I'll stay on the line and make sure everything goes right. It's so they're just so aggressive and it's just, oh, it irritates me that it's they a, are it's just unbelievable. attacking. Yeah, they are attacking. This is not the only story I've heard where the fraudsters just won't let up. They keep going after this woman and after her again and again. They may let a week go by or even a couple of weeks, but then they come right back at her. And it may be the same fraudsters or like you say, crooks sell their their suckers list, what they call their suckers list. And so they may have sold their list to somebody else. And now a new group of fraudsters are going after the same same victim. And it's just, uh, and you know, I want to underscore about not answering the phone. That's probably the most important thing that I tell people, do not pick up the phone unless you recognize the phone number or the name of the person. Let it go to voicemail. They will leave you a message if they need to get back to you. And one of my happiest moments are sometimes when somebody calls my fraud hotline, leaves a message because I'm not in the office. I'm only here two days a week. They leave a message. And when I call back, they don't pick up. (laughs) Good. And then, then, you know, the answering machine comes on, leave a message. And I start leaving the message. This is Vicki Johnson with the district attorney's office. And all of a sudden, oh, they pick up. Says, yeah. Hi, Vicki. I'm doing what you told me to do. Oh, that's great. That's Vicky great. Until I hear a voice that I know. And I think, <laughs> yes, thank you so much. You did exactly the right thing. Thank you. So the message is getting out there, but we have to keep pounding on it. 
And I'm so glad, Sean, that you brought that up today and told that story because she got into trouble by picking up the phone. Yes. The simple act of answering the phone. None of this would have happened had she not picked up that phone. Mm -hmm. So who knew our phones could be so dangerous for us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for the good message today. Appreciate it. Yeah. So do you have anything else or is that it for today, Sean? That's that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Don't scare us anymore. That's keeping me very busy. Thank you very much. (laughs) If we have time, I do have some good news, which is a little bit humorous. So this was the headline, and I got this from the uh, Department of Justice. Inmate pleads guilty to COVID-19 unemployment benefits fraud. So there was an inmate in the Central California Women's Facility, Chowchilla, and what she did was gather all of the names and information of her fellow inmates, including her. She gave all of this information to a former inmate who was now on the outside, has served her term, was now on the outside. And this individual filed unemployment insurance benefits in the name of all of these inmates. And the loss to the Employment Development Department was over $250,000, which the inmate graciously shared with her contact on the outside and with her fellow inmates in prison. Clearly, since they were in prison, they were not entitled to unemployment insurance benefits. They (laughs) they were incarcerated. So somehow the FBI caught up with these folks and she uh, pled guilty and she's being convicted of an additional term. But the fact that while she's in prison for committing a crime, while in prison, she is committing yet another crime. I don't know. What are you going to do? <laughs> One small win. <laughs> Thank you, Vicki. That was a good story. And it did have a little amusing side to it. As well, didn't it? <laughs> and thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for sharing what's going on with the banks and your customers. It really does help us. And Vicki, have you given your fraud hotline number today? I will give it gladly. It's area code 805-568-2442. And again, 805-568-2442. And I welcome phone calls. Thank you. And we also welcome comments if you're watching us on YouTube today. Take care. Bye-bye.